Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. This halacha review has been recorded live at the Motherhood Center in Crown Heights. We thank them for their partnership in enabling this podcast review to occur. So up until now, um, we have been learning all the laws of Tarsam Shpacha. We've been learning about um, the halachas, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, why hopefully along the way you've been inspired to um, work on your on your own personal um, keeping of the mitzvah of Tarsam Shpacha. Um, and now we, it brings us right up to intimacy and the bedroom, which um, is a very, very important part of keeping Tara Samishbacha. Now in the bedroom and in all of the portions of keeping Tara Samishbacha, it's very, very important that we combine both the actual halachas and the spirit in which the halachas is written in. So you have to combine both parts to really get this ideal um, way of keeping tarasam shbacha. And when we talk about tarasam shbacha, we're not just talking about a series of yeses and nos. These are the halachas. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. If you follow this list, then you really are keeping it correctly. But tarasam shbacha refers to so much more than that. It refers to the well-being of your marriage. And when you invest in the well-being of your marriage and when you invest in the building blocks of respect and communication and all the things we're about to talk about, then you bring forth a very, very deep love between the two of you. And in this space where there is love, the Shekhinah comes down and the Shekhinah comes down into your home in a very, very real and pleasant, a present way when there is um, a space that, of positivity between a husband and a wife. And it's very, very important that not only are we keeping all the laws of Taras and Shpacha, but we're also working on our relationship between us and our spouse and working on the tone of our relationship. So when we talk about the tone of our relationship, every single couple has their own tone. Um, that's almost like the dance that your relationship has. And we fall into patterns, right? So throughout our lives and um, certain relationships have a certain tone and it's very hard sometimes to change that tone. And sometimes when you speak to like, couples who are married 10, 20 years, or if you are married, you know, several years, you'll see that there are certain things you can almost predict how that discussion is going to go or how that interaction is going to go because you've fallen into a pattern where one person does X, the other person responds Y, and you kind of like continue in this way. So sometimes the tone of what is normal in your relationship may need adjusting, okay? So when we're talking about things that are good, things that are, are less good, we also have to talk about improving the tone of our marriage. And even if things are falling into the gather of okay, mitad halacha, we have to also be aware that it may not be okay, mitad the tone of your relationship. And those things are just as important as working on the halachas of, your, of keeping taras hamashbacha. And you cannot really separate one from the other. So it's very, very important to, when we go into this discussion, to remember that intimacy, the bedroom, tarasam shpacha as a whole, always affects both portions of the couple. It's not just you who went to share, is inspired, wants to go home and do everything a little bit differently, but it always affects both of you. And you have to really build all of this on a solid foundation of positivity, love, respect, and caring for one another. Um, before we go into um, the laws of intimacy, it is very, very um, important to understand that this concept, so I'm going to repeat it one more time, just so it's very, very clear. It does take two of you, okay? Therefore, any chumras that you want to take on, any additional things that you want to take on that is falls within keeping this mitzvah as a hider mitzvah, keeping this mitzvah to the highest standard has to come with a discussion. It's a journey and there has to be an understanding that the two of you have to communicate on your journey towards really reaching the ideal. So let's start at the very, very beginning. How do we know? What, why do we care about what is what, right and wrong? Why do we care so much about what the ideal way to behave in the bedroom is? What difference does it make to us as individuals? There is 
space to say from a very, very limited perspective as a human being to say, you know, maybe we just follow what works for us as a couple, right? So I can go to any course that's offered online and I can go to any professional and I can just say, you know what? <clears throat> Their advice is good advice and I'll go ahead and run with it. Why do I care what the ideal is? Why do I care what Tyra says about intimacy? So anyone who's been married for any length of time, I don't care if it's two weeks, two months, uh, you know, 20 years, you know that marriage isn't always logical. Marriage doesn't always make sense. There, aren't, there isn't this continuousness of like, oh yes, we always agree and we're always on the same page and we're always, you know, being mechanic our kids exactly the same way and we always want the same thing and two minds like have fused into one and we just like do the same thing and this is really nice smooth sailing thing. That is not how marriage works, right? And nobody goes into marriage and goes, oh, you know what? I'm gonna be married for five years and then I'll reevaluate. Like, maybe I'm gonna to wanna to be married longer, but you know, we reevaluate we every five years. That's not a way. We all go into marriage, we're all in. We want it forever. We wanted it to the nth degree. And we want it so like, we want it to be the best that it could be. So this is why we care whether we're doing things right or wrong. Ultimately, there are many truths in this world, but they're not complete truths, right? So things like science, things like I was just talking before class about um, the fact that like a lot of people in our parents' generation read books like Dr. Sears, right? And they parented us according to these books. And then it changed. So we don't wanna like go according to Dr. Sears anymore. Maybe we wanna go according to another new professional because these type of truths are limiting. The only truth that is 100% correct is Tyra. It says that Hashem looked into the Tyra Sakaba, right? So Bar Oma, and that's how he created the world. So if somebody came to you and said, um, you can have the manual, the how-to manual to have a perfect marriage, you'd say, yes, please, thank you. Let me read that um, because that is, you know, obviously we want everything. And if I have a how-to manual and how to have the best marriage possible, I'm going to want to read that. The only thing that is the only, that is a hundred percent truth, the Omead is Tyra. Because Hashem looked at Tyra and created the world based on Tyra. Therefore, the only thing that's everlasting is Tyra. So in order for us to understand how to have a good marriage, in order for us to understand how to have a strong marriage, in order, in order for us to understand how to have an everlasting marriage, we do have to go and see what is right and wrong according to Tyra, because those are the only ultimate 100% truths. And there are specific guidelines that are given to us that we're gonna go through. Why, why do we care? What, what were these guidelines created on? They were created on the basis of what marriage is supposed to create. Marriage is supposed to create a sense of oneness, a sense of unity between you and your husband in a way that you cleave to one another so much so that you feel like one. It doesn't mean that your psyches are one. It doesn't mean you're never going to have an argument. It doesn't mean that you're never going to disagree. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be points of necessary communication and points of um, you know, giving into one another. It means that we can have the space where in that particular space, we do feel like one. In that particular space, we come together within the boundaries of those rules because those rules create an environment of absolute unity and absolute oneness. And it is the key, the key to coming together and the key to really, really feeling like one in a very, very deep way. And the only way to do that is through infusing our marriage with Kedusha and infusing our marriage with the parameters of what was set out for us. Now, in the bedroom, obviously there's nuance. Everyone's bedroom is going to look different and, and, and the halacha does allow for that. We have to understand that within all halacha, there are certain guidelines. The first thing that we have to understand is that there are certain things that are usr. Okay, usr is a no-go. It's like a, a bright red light. You cannot do it. And there are certain things that are also in the bedroom. Usr, we don't do them. Um, and that's according to all opinions. Then there are things that are mutar, things that are always okay. It's your green light. This is okay. This is good. Go ahead. No problem whatsoever. 
Then there are things that are heterim, and heterim are a little bit more nuanced. They're kind of like your prescription from the doctor, right? So the doctor gives you a specific prescription. Obviously, you're not sharing it with your neighbor down the block who has a similar ailment because you're not in the place to give that over, right? And to make a, a judgment whether they need that antibiotic or not. But you know that there's a possibility. So you might tell your neighbor, you know, I had um, a similar issue. I went to the doctor and the doctor helped me out. And then your neighbor will go to the doctor and, and see if that is an appropriate prescription for them. So your hector is like your spiritual prescription. It is the space where a ref can say in your particular circumstance based on all the circumstances that surround it, you can also have such a hector. You can have space for leniency in a specific um, guideline that is specific to you. And this is something that really should not be shared person to person. A hatter is person specific. And the, the fourth thing that I want to tell you is that there's something, there is a concept, especially in the bedroom, of Kaddish of as Hasidim, we try to do better. As Hasidim, we try to get to the ideal as many times as possible. Okay, so it's something that both of you took on together, especially when it comes to the bedrooms, both of you took on together to elevate the space and to go on a level that is higher than what is simply mutter or asr. Okay. What do we want out of marriage? What does everyone walk into marriage wanting? When we know what we want out of marriage, we know what the prerequisites are to intimacy, okay? It says in Shir Hashirim, Parakei Pasuk Beis, that when Shir Hashirim describes love, it describes it as tamasi, yainasi, rayasi. Well, my, my computer did it backwards. It's a chaisi. Rayasi, Yainasi, Taimasi. Thank you, computer, for doing it backwards. I said it wrong. Um, it's Achaisi, my sister. We want to have a love that is steady, that is always going to be there, kind of like that platonic love that a brother and sister has. No matter what disagreements you're having, you still come back to each other. You're still going to defend your sibling. You're still going to be there for your sibling, even if they annoy you to the nth degree. And we want to have a part of our relationship that has that type of love, that no matter what, there is that platonic, I'm here for you. I may not love you in this moment, but I am here for you. We also want Rayasi, which is um, my love. This is the love that we tend to understand. It's um, the conventionally understood love between a husband and a wife. Yainasi is my dove. What does that mean? This is the romantic love. This is the love that a chasnakala has. See, I knew I project. I, this is a problem I have. I project too much. Okay. I had a feeling I didn't need the mic. Um, Rayasi, Yainasi, okay, Yainasi is my dove. That's the love that a husband and Kala have. It's the romantic love. It's the love in La La Land. And it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It feels fabulous. But in the absence of other loves, it's just fluff, right? So we want to have that. We want to have moments that are filled with that excitement and that, you know, feelings of, of, of a chasen and kala to each other, but you need it in balance with the other types of love. And the fourth love is a, um, tamasi. Tamasi is my undefiled. And um, from my experience speaking to women across the spectrum, I think that this is the type of love that most of us really desire a little bit more than the other types of love. Um, it's my undefiled. We want our husbands to look at us like we are the best thing since sliced bread, right? We can be messy and we can be sloppy and we could be whatever things that we all are, right? We can be scatterbrained and we could be very rigid, whatever it is that you are, but we still want, and we can recognize that, we can discuss that, but we still want our husbands to look at us and go, wow, you're amazing. You're the center of my world. You're the most important things to me. You're whole and perfect in his eyes for him. So how do we get to have all these types of love? How do we get these varied and nuanced ways of loving each other. And I've kind of put together what I believe are the building blocks to get there. The first thing, and you cannot have a, a, a um, they all, I wouldn't say you cannot have, they all contribute deeply to a meaningful and nuanced relationship. So the first one is privacy. 
Okay, this is something that I find like as you get to the older generations, they understood privacy more. And I think myself included, I think a lot of people who are exposed to um, the world at large have realized that our sense of where privacy is has gotten blurred, blurred over the years. Where I end and the world begins has to be constantly reevaluated when you're interacting with the world because you're getting so many messages from the outside world of things that are considered private that kind of like desensitizes you to wait, where do I, what am I sharing with the world? What am I receiving into my world? Where does that sense of boundaries and privacy start and end? And a lot of us have to reconfigure what we think of our sense of boundaries and maybe it deserves a discussion every once in a while with your husband or maybe it just it deserves a discussion with yourself even like where do i start and where does the world around me begin where do certain people in the world around me begin the people that are outside family the people that are outside friends and setting that sense of privacy is very important as a whole now when it comes to a couple that sense of privacy is even more important because that sense of privacy will lead to a sense of intimacy. When it is me and you to the exclusion of everyone else, I have created a space of intimacy. I have created a space where it's just the two of us. That is a sacred space. That is a holy space. And that also gives my spouse and my relationship covered. I giving honor and space to recognize that it is different to the entire world. And that is so, so, so important. And what that space is and where the lines of those space are have to be defined couple to couple. The next one is dignity. Um, dignity, you can call it grace, you can talk, call it a feminine energy, I don't care what you call it. Um, it's not a value that we value in today's day and age also. It's something that we have to dig deep down and say, wait, what does that mean to me? What is the word dignity, which is an old fashioned word? What does that mean to me? How do I carry myself? And by the way, this is something that I had to like really think about and really develop for myself. Where, where does that, where does this value fall into my life? Because we value the outgoing person and we value the person who's loud and we value the person who gives in that sort of way and in a very in your face type of way. And so how do I go back and reconnect to my inner grace and my inner dignity and my inner feminine energy and that can mean things as small as what how i how i give things over to my spouse how i give things over to my children how i give things over to the people around me even that can engender dignity and it also has to do with self-respect the more self-respect we have for ourselves the more we're going to treat ourselves with dignity and the more we're going to treat the people around us with grace and dignity emotional intimacy um, this is the third building block emotional intimacy without emotional intimacy you do not have a fulfilling physical intimacy and i kind of like was very careful not to say until now you cannot have one without the other but a meaningful physical intimacy is not possible without emotional intimacy for a woman it is not possible and yes i know i made an absolute statement um the four the fifth one is respect um and this goes both ways and this is very important for us to understand it's very easy for us to understand look treat yourself with respect right give yourself the respect that you need take care of yourself demand not not just demand respect but give the space for respect but what about respecting another person what if the person that you marry turns out to really be quite different than what you expected or even five years down the road 10 years down the road it turns out to be something that he wasn't five or ten years ago how do i respect something that may not be something that i have been taught to respect and it's it, it for a lot of couples this is this is something that comes up throughout their marriage and we have to learn to respect our spouse for what they can give and not to expect them to give more than they can give right when i look for the positivity much in the same way we expect him to look for the positivity in us right we don't want him to notice that um we may not be perfect in other ways but we want him to respect the good that we do rather than focus on the negative so it's the same thing that we're trying to also always focus on on for our spouse what can they give maybe they're not as suspicious as you want maybe they're not as um 
focus on the kids as you want, but they might be really good providers and they might really, um, you know, prioritize chesed and they might do all these other things. So instead of focusing on those things, learn and find the parts that you could respect and the parts that you can really build up in one another. And that's, that is a very solid um, building block towards a more powerful relationship. And the last one is consent. Um, I do talk about consent uh, because to some of us, it's very uh, self-understood that if I don't want something, if he doesn't want something, then that's okay. That's, that's not, that's not on the table anymore. But a lot of us um, do grow up and think that there is a sense of obligation that we have, that even if we don't want something, even if something makes us feel uncomfortable, and even if something makes us feel not so great, that we still out of an obligation have to give that and I want to come here and tell you that never ever ever does Tyra obligate a woman to do something that makes her feel uncomfortable um, objectified disrespected it is not a Tyra value Tyra values respect Tyra values consent on both ends um, and it's very important that we understand that so we're going, we're going to, we're going to develop different parts and we'll come together. And if you have questions um, at the end, we will definitely make time for that. Um, so keep it in mind if I don't get to it. When Tyra speaks about marriage, and I mentioned this before, I'm going to just mention it again, because this is the foundational item of what we're talking about here. When a person gets married, a man leaves his parents' home, and he cleaves to his wife. So the goal is, is that we really get a deep and meaningful connection that we, we feel connected. It, it is a very important thing to understand that that is the goal of intimacy. The goal of intimacy is not only in a physical sense, but that we feel connected with one another. It's the bond. It's the connection. It's that moments of I see you and you see me. Um, and it, it makes me laugh a little bit. So I kind of like sometimes skip this this saying because it's a little bit cliche but intimacy is intimacy i want you to see me i want you to see past the externals of me and really look at me so it's about that bond of going way beyond the surface level and really seeing one another for the neshama that they are rather than just the body that they are um and i i take the time here to use um to use this word intentionally um, and not use it again for the rest of the of the class, I want to differentiate for you that in a marriage you do not have sex. That means that there is a world of a difference between sex and intimacy. And when we're talking about kedusha, when we're talking about a marriage, when we're talking about the power that we have within a Jewish marriage, we do not have sex. Sex is the mechanics a man, a woman, and what happens in the bedroom. In a Jewish marriage, in a meaningful marriage, within a connected marriage, we want to obviously have the mechanics, but we want to have all the other points of connection that really bond us to one another. And therefore, because of the power that the bedroom has, because of the power that it has to really not only bond a husband and a wife together, but to bring Elokos into your home in a very, very, very deep and meaningful way, in a very real way. Therefore, this entire concept, this godly concept has fallen as low as it has. And therefore, when we talk about intimacy in the world, it has become something that is dirty. It has become something that is um, crass, it has become something that has lost all the elements of Kedusha, and it's become the polar opposite of what it should be. So why? Because everything that's higher, that has Kedusha, the power of Kedusha that's higher, falls lower, right? And therefore, the immense spiritual power that intimacy has, has fallen so low. So you can see the immense power, yes, you can see from, from since the time of Adam and Chava. You could see the immense power by seeing how low it has fallen, right? Tanya teaches us that. So what we are essentially striving for, and we go back to your, to your question, we are essentially striving for four points of connection in the bedroom. The first one is emotional. 
we want to feel emotionally in tune with one another. We want to feel understood. We want to feel seen. We want to feel validated. We want to feel empowered. We want to feel emotionally connected to our spouse. The second thing that we want is we want to have an intellectual um, connection. And this one is a little bit harder for people who are not inherently uh, intellectual. And, and this is a point of connection that we do work on. And by the way, all these four points of connection are things that you, not all four, three out of four, are things that you can work on and develop in, in a clearer way during the time of Nida because you have taken out the physical. Um, so the intellectual connection is also something that is truly binding, bonding to one another. When I sit and I learn with my spouse, when I learn a new skill, whether I learn a sicha, whether I, I, I learn, uh, I, I read an article together, wh whatever it is, that is a point of connection that I can now connect to on a different plane. And that adds nuance, that adds dimension to my marriage. The third one, is a spiritual connection and we cannot discount that couples who are spiritually connected are connecting on a higher plane of existence they're connecting in a way that is deeper so how do we connect to one another we have to constantly have these spiritual discussions with one another that means am i on the same page as you spiritually what are you thinking about the chinuch of our children what are you thinking about how we're running our shabbos table what are you thinking about our goals for tishrei for our children this year what are you thinking about our goals for ourselves this year where do we plan to grow as spiritual people people with each other as separate people with our children etc these are discussions that we should be having and connecting with our spouse and the fourth one when you have one two three and then you come and you connect on the fourth one which is the easiest um for it, it's it's the simplest right if physical intimacy is the expression of all the rest of that um then that becomes so much deeper and so much more meaningful and so much more pleasurable so when we come together out of the bedroom with the emotional with the intellectual with the spiritual and then in the bedroom with the physical that connection and that bond is so much stronger and so much deeper why are we striving for this connection? Because really, and we mentioned um, Gan Eden, we mentioned Adam and Chava before, when someone brought it up, originally we were one. Originally man and woman were one. And therefore the goal and the, the feeling that we have is that until we feel one again, there is some lack within us. And therefore, we our goal is to really try to remove whatever is separating us from becoming one and and really we want to come back to that original state of togetherness and that original state of closeness that we had in the beginning of creation so let's talk about love a little bit more there are two types of love and rabbi Tversky, um explains it he has actually a clip that you can watch he does this much better than I will. But he explains that there's two types of love and the example that he gives is very telling. So there's a love that is dependent on something and a love that is not dependent on anything. Ultimately, a love that depends, that depends on something is not an everlasting love. And within a marriage, we want to have a love that is irrelevant of external, external factors. It's a love that is deep, a love that is everlasting, a love that is powerful. And Rabbi Torsky explains that one, one is fish love. Okay, so one is I love the fish and one is I love myself. Both times the person says, oh, I love fish, right? So I can love fish because I will take care of the fish. I will feed the fish. I will you know, protect the fish. And that's is the fish giving me something? No, the fish gives me nothing. And yet I will take care of the fish and I will love the fish. And then there's, I love fish. And therefore I have fish for breakfast. I have fish for lunch. I have fish for dinner. It's giving me something, right? I love it because really I don't love the fish. Really, I love me. I love the way the fish makes me feel. So within a marriage, we want to have love that is not dependent on externalities. And that's why, by the way, when we go back to the element of respect when our love is not dependent on oh he's a great role model in this particular area or he gives to the family or to myself x if i if my love is not dependent just on that factor even if that factor goes away i will still find ways to love and respect this person and that is a real deep and meaningful love um our vida towards intimacy is that we do not love 
the externalities. We love them. We love their neshama. We love their insides. We love everything about this person on a deep level and not just the externalities. So it's it's something that is completely um, unconditional. And I've, I've received flack from the next um, statement I'm going to make, but I still stand by it. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to share what what a very real life example is aside for fish, right? Because some of us really don't like fish. Anyway, um, we you know, if we have a child, right, or if we have a parent or if we have that type of love is not dependent on anything else. I remember I went to a parenting class once and um, oh, I forgot her, a Rifki, um, nope, Rifki something else. Um, she's Rabbitson, um, Young Rice's daughter-in-law or daughter. Um, Shona something. Anyways, it's irrelevant. She says that no matter how um, dysfunctional parents are kids love them unconditionally kids will always go back and want their parents love they will want their approval they and and you know parents do the same thing for their kids you have you have a little baby right a little baby can wake you up in the middle of the night let you not sleep spits up on you poops on you is really really annoying right like let's get real like you're you're not sleeping you're not eating your body has changed because of them um, all these things. And yet you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. And they're really like, they are, they're fabulous, but that's because we do not love them because of anything they give to us really. And truly they don't give us anything. In fact, they probably are taking away, but we love them. And that's the love that we're, we're striving for. We're striving for this deep, deep, unconditional love where we connect to each other just simply because you are not because of what you have, not because of what you do, but because you exist. So that leads us to another really um, big paradigm shift that we all have to have at the end because it's being recorded. Um, one of the things that I actually have made it my mission to talk to high school girls about is Mashpia Mikabel. I think this is one of the most misunderstood concepts in um, all different schools. Um, one of the, yes, one of the um, concepts that is really, really misunderstood is the concept of Mashpia Mikabel. Um, in fact, I think that there's a lot of resistance to high school girls listening to this concept if it's not understood completely and, and from a, a whole, like a whole, um, I, like from a, a, a truly Hasidic uh, perspective, is because it kind of sounds on surface level that he's the Mashpia, that means he's the big boss, right? And you're the Mikabel and you have to like accept. And there's a whole, um, there is a whole thought process that sounds very firm. And I've heard a lot, a lot of from people read books that are actually based on Christianity that really expound on this and sounds firm. It sounds fabulous. And I think that it's very important for us to understand this concept so that we can understand what Tyra tells us about a Mashpia Mikabo. What is a Mashpia's role? Let's first define the Mashpia's role. The Mashpia's role is to give. That means that he is providing the needs of his of whoever he whoever's the macabre in a very real way. He's ha he he has the onus on him to provide satisfaction within your relationship. He needs to be there. He needs to provide. It says this very very clearly in Yuxuba, She'er kisos vaynasa she'er is food. Ksos is clothing and shelter, and Aina is satisfaction. These are things that are written really, really clearly in the Ksuba. So he, so there's a lot of, of pressure and there's a lot of, um, of the onus that really is on the Mashpia. What is, this is the part that gets fuzzy. What is the job for us as a Makaba? And this is really what I'm going to focus on because I'm not speaking to men, I'm speaking to us. Our job is to connect to our feminine energy. What does that mean? Does that mean that I have to be a subservient, obedient wife? Does that mean that I have to give in to what he wants because he's the mashpia, right? So he must know best. No, what it means is that I have to create a space and a vessel to receive and to be present 
And for all of us who grew up to be strong, independent women, this is a struggle. I will, I will repeat, I will repeat this concept again. To create, to find a space for our feminine energy, to create a space where I connect to what I am as a Mechabel, means that I have to create a vessel to receive. This is a space that has to come with vulnerability, which is scary. It has to come in a space where the mashpia has set a space of safety, respect, consent, all the things we've spoken to, because otherwise you cannot be vulnerable. But our job is to open the space to receive. If, we if a mashpia has no place to give what he is trying to be mashpia to you, what he's trying to give to you on a physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual level, then there's no place to give that. And that, by the way, is a lot scarier and a lot more vulnerable and a lot more of an avida than it sounds like for most of us who really maybe even before marriage, we were that independent person. We balanced our, our money and we took care of ourselves and we were self-developed in like 610 other ways. And maybe, you know, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a struggle and this is a value system that we don't value at all. Like we, we're, we're raised to be these really self-sufficient. I don't need you. I don't need a man, right? I don't need that energy in my life. And ultimately that does lead to unhappiness. So we have to find a space where obviously, with respect and obviously with focus and obviously with all the Tyra values that are there that we connect to our, the, our sense of vulnerability and our sense of openness and our sense of the ability to allow and to receive, which by the way, is not as simple as it sounds. And, and when you speak to, um, when you speak to women who are unhappy in the bedroom, and, and I think that this is about 90% accurate, um, a lot of times what is happening in the bedroom is not indicative of the bedroom itself. It's indicative of the relationship that happens outside the bedroom because the bedroom is a microcosm of everything else that is happening outside the bedroom. So in order for us to feel like we're being given to in order for us to feel like we have that space where our husband gives us emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of that we need to create that space of vulnerability and we need to create it inside and outside the bedroom. And to most of us that that is, um, it, it is a sense of letting go and a sense of um, letting go a little bit of maybe the level of control. Obviously, you have to make create in order for that to happen. There has to be a safe environment. And I'm not talking hospital. I'm about a space where um, it's not being done with all the functional, healthy parameters. I'm just trying to see um, how much time we have left because really, I'm supposed to stick to an hour, and I have so much to say. Um, Here's the reality. Um, if you ever want a really, really interesting thing to go and go down a rabbit hole, um, go and read all the details about Adam and Chava and Gan Eden. It's fascinating and absolutely mind-blowingly interesting. Like it's a really interesting thing to learn about and read. But the reality of out of Gan Eden again is that one of the things that Chava was told is Eli Sheikh that there is a sense that we crave our husbands, we crave the masculine energy, we crave the mashpia to give to us. And when we push away that and we push that that sense of, of vulnerability and that feminine energy we don't allow the masculine energy into our lives and it does lead to less of a sense of fulfillment than we could have if we were able to correctly balance the feminine and the masculine energies now obviously and i'm going to say this again and again obviously every relationship will look different i i very firmly believe that the gender roles that you are going to accept from society have to work within your relationship i'm not talking about that i'm not talking about one person taking out the garbage versus the other i'm talking about the overall energies within the home and the overall energies of interaction between a husband and a wife Okay. One of the things about um, 
the bedroom. And one of the things about intimacy that is very, very easily misunderstood and very commonly misunderstood is Aina. Aina um, is translated as commonly translated as pleasure. And some people have have misused this um, translation and said, you know, your husband has an obligation to always give you pleasure. So let's talk about that for a second. I think that that's a very big misconception because a lot of people have come to intimacy with a sense of pressure, right? And I see this especially in young Kalas who are exposed to this thought on social media and other places that say that that are given over by from women or used to be from women or and they talk about Tyra and they use this word, they say pleasure. And it's it, it kind of translates to oh you need to have you need to climax every single time and you need to um, and it puts all this pressure. So I want you to understand that Aina is not translated as pleasure it's not translated as an orgasm it's not translated as climax it is translated as satisfaction he is obligated to satisfy your needs that does not always translate to the same thing every single time in the bedroom and that's okay it comes it has to come to a sense of I, we communicate obviously in a sneeistic way and we've come to have expectations that can be met and that can be satisfied for one another within the bedroom in a respectful way. Um, that being said, the Tyra does speak about Aina a whole lot and it says that um, it, one of the things it says by Nasa Laigara, he cannot, he cannot hold back your satisfaction. He cannot use it to um, kind of like as a tool to say like, oh, you don't deserve it, or I'm not going to give it to you because that is against Tyra to the extent that the Tyra calls a person who does this a chayta, a sinner, um, someone who holds back satisfaction, it, giving their wife satisfaction in their relationship is called a sinner, and that's that's pretty strong wording. Um, and that's not just talking about pleasure, but it's overall satisfaction when it comes to intimacy. So two things before we go into the details. One of the things that's very interesting, I said Gan Eden was very interesting, the Kaidish HaKadashim is also very interesting if you go into down that rabbit hole, uh, because the Kaidish HaKadashim had proven, right? Male female. When the Romans came into the base of Megdash and they, they wanted to see what was in the holiest place, what was in the Kaidish HaKadashim that the Kayan Gadol can only go once a year and if he lost focus during that one time he would die, it must be something really spiritual and really holy and really like powerful and they, they were very excited to see what was inside and they opened up the Kaidish HaKadashim and they saw the Kuvim being intimate with one another and they laughed. And they said, this is what the Jews value. This is what the Jews hold holy. And if we go back to the original concept that we spoke about that within a marriage, this is Kedusha. This is spirituality. This is godliness. This is going back to the point of creation. This is powerfulness. This is as close to God as we come throughout our lives. So you miss the point when you just look at physical intimacy as physical intimacy. When you look at physical intimacy as the culmination and the power and the godliness and the kedusha that's involved, then you really reach a higher plane of connection and a higher plane of consciousness um, that is so, so, so important. And the word kedusha is used a whole lot when it comes to the bedroom. Um, we, in fact, we call marriage kedushin, right? We call the institution of marriage Kedushin, it is an inherently holy thing. And one of the things that is the cornerstone is obviously physical intimacy. So when we talk about physical intimacy, um, I like to explain that there is a spectrum, right? On one end of the spectrum is the ideal. And as Yidin, as Chassidim, as individuals, we understand that the closer we get to the ideal, the more meaningful that interaction is, the more godly that interaction is, and the more everlasting that interaction is, because all those concepts always go together. That being said, we are all human. We are fallible, limited human beings. And sometimes we don't get to the ideal. Sometimes we fall somewhere on the spectrum of 
Mutter and Kaddish Atmacha, right? We fall somewhere on the spectrum of this is the minimum and this is the maximum. So I want to give you what is the minimum with the awareness that we're not keeping the minimum unless we have circumstances that we need to um, have a hetter, we need to um, alter the situation for our particular circumstances. Um, and, and keeping it at that level doesn't mean you're less than, it means that that's where you are. Um, and obviously we always reach for the stars and we always go as close as possible to the ideal. So I'm gonna tell you both. Now, before we go to Rishas Chachma, I want to develop the idea of what Kedusha is and why is it so important for us to bring Kedusha as much as possible into our bedroom. Let's think about the idea of Kedusha as a whole. The idea of Kedusha comes down to elevation, okay? Kedusha is very much in line with Bittal, going past who we are and connecting to a plane of existence that is higher than our very limited understanding of this world. So it's going out of our base needs, our base desires and saying, I want to elevate myself. I want to be more than, and I want to give myself 100% to another person or to, to God or to, an, to a, a greater entity than myself. Therefore, when it comes to Kedusha, when it comes to bringing Kedusha into our bedroom, part of it is letting go of our limited understanding. Part of it is extending the fact that we are not limited to our thoughts and our own logic, but to say, you know what? There's a godly logic. There is a greater power to be that is that is going to tell me how to better connect with my spouse and how to better bring godliness and bring elevation to my life. And I may not understand it. And by the way, I, I feel like this is a very strong thing that we have to understand about Tarasa Mishpacha in general. Tarasa Mishpacha is not logical. Sometimes it's frustrating and sometimes it's hard, but we have to also understand it's not a logical thing. It is so much greater than anything that our limited capacities can understand. And that's okay. Uh, sometimes we, we want to understand everything so much and we want to understand the logic behind it that we, we limit ourselves by our own logic. Um, and if we take this same concept of Kedusha and bring it down a little bit, um, we want to also connect to our spouse in a way that is 100% giving and 100% receiving, right? And that's also why there's no 50-50 in a marriage, right? It's 100%, 100%. I give 100%, I want 100%. I'm 100% in. It's always 100% when it comes to a marriage. So... One of the things that comes up a whole lot when it comes to intimacy is what if we are on different levels in the bedroom, right? So before we go, I like to, to bring this concept in before I tell you what the ratio of is, because what if you walk away from the share and you go, wow, that's so powerful and that's so meaningful and I'm going to X, Y, Z, right? What if you are, what if there's pushback, right? What if you come back and you say, you know what? I want the idealist. He doesn't want the idealist. Where do we come together? Now, remember what I said before, the bedroom is a microcosm of your entire relationship. And when there is discrepancies in the bedroom, there will likely be discrepancies out of the bedroom as well. And therefore, instead of focusing on solving the discrepancies in the bedroom, solve the discrepancies out of the bedroom. It's a lot less emotional. It's a lot more open to discussion. And by definition, by virtue of working on things outside the bedroom, it will affect the bedroom because it's a microcosm of the relationship as a whole. So if there are disagreements, if there are different levels, if there are discrepancies within the bedroom, discussing things out of the bedroom, even if it's simply discussing and communicating the bedroom in a respectful way, will solve the bedroom itself. And I want to talk about communication because a lot of us may have learned that talking about intimacy is not sneas, or we might have the feeling that talking about intimacy is not sneas. And I want to tell you that there are ways to talk about intimacy that aren't sneas in a private setting. 
you need to communicate with one another in order to have a satisfying and fulfilling bedroom life. You must communicate with one another. You do not have to be explicit. You do not have to be crass. You do not have to be um, not sneeze about it, uh, but you can't, you can and should be talking about what you enjoyed in the bedroom and what you didn't enjoy in the bedroom. And you should be talking and communicating with each other. Even it's simply saying, you know, that thing that you, that, that we did last night, I enjoyed that. Let's try that again. Or, you know, something that is less, um, direct, I might, might feel more comfortable, but there is need for um, communication and to really, really um, spend the time in a sneeistic way to really talk to each other and not just assume that if we have a great relationship, everything will automatically be good. We, we do have to involve communication in bettering our, our um, interactions within the bedroom as well. So let's do the Rashi's Chachma, and then I'll, I'll go through some commonly asked questions, um, and I will stop the recording and see if you guys have any questions. Okay, so what is the Rashi's Chachma? Again, this is the ideal list. This is really where we're striving to be. Um, if you are here, kol to you. If you are not here, then this is what you're aiming towards. Um, and remember, the reason we're aiming towards this is because there is Kedusha that comes in this moment. It says about Leah Imenu that Leah asked Yaakov to come to her. And this is a Pasuk written straight in the Tyra. And we wonder, like, why did Leah say um, to, to Yaakov, come to me, implying that he should come to her tent that night and be with her. And that is recorded for all posterity. And the reason for that is because Leah recognized the intensity of Kedusha that was brought down through the interaction that her and Yaakov were going to have. And that is what she wanted to bring into her home. She wanted to bring the Shekhinah into her home in a very real and tangible way. And really every single time that we are together with our spouse, Bekdusha, Batara, that we are together with our spouse with love and respect, when we are together with our spouse in a way that really is in line with Tyra values, then we do bring godliness in a very real way into our home. And that is power. That is true and real power that we have to affect our marriages, to affect ourselves and to affect our home. Um, right, Chumash, exactly. Chumash does not shy away from this. Yes. That is a whole nother discussion, but yes. Um, so the intimacy being my sakruvim leads us straight to the Rashi's Chachma. What does the Rashi's Chachma say? The Rashi's Chachma says that intimacy should be done at night. Okay, think about this one. At night, there's no distractions. The world is quiet. There's no UPS man coming to your door and there's no kids coming home in an hour and there's no one waking up soon. It is the world is quiet and you're able to focus on one another. It is also number two in the dark. In the dark, we take away our sense of sight. We are able to connect on a deeper sense of being. I connect to your neshama. You connect to my neshama, not by virtue of any of your externalities, not by virtue of anything that you can give me, anything I can receive, but because I see you. I see you on a deeper plane of existence. It is quiet. Okay, we're not talking. This is, by the way, all of these are during the mitzvah itself, not during um, foreplay. During foreplay, it's a whole nother discussion, but during the mitzvah itself, we are quiet. Um, we are completely, we took away another sense, right? Which is speech uh, that also can be very distracting and we're really focused on the inside of one another. Remember that it is reaching back towards the point of creation, right? You also have the power to create. Even if you don't create a child, you are creating a shamais. And in this time, we are looking down, we're looking at our source. So men were created from the earth. They're facing downward and they're looking at their source, which is the earth. Woman who was created for man is looking upward at her source. Um, and at that point, we become connected to one another and remember that th there is power in the creation of the moment. 
There is also, you are to also connected to each other 100%. That means skin to skin with nothing in the middle. Now, some people do have a minute that the man wears tzitzis and the tzitzis is not in between. It's, um, but that's also a variation um, and a Kabbalistic thing. And if that is what you do, then that is okay. We're not talking about that, but skin to skin um, with nothing separation. So what we're saying is I am connecting all of me to all of you. 110%. During that time, you are covered. So you are creating this bubble where you're totally connected, totally vulnerable in every sense of the word. And then you are covered. You're covered not just because it's seen us, but because it's the two of you in the sacred space. It's the two of you in the space to the exclusion of all else. During um, this moment of intensity of Kedusha, there are also elements of Kedusha that we bring in, and that is having thoughts of Kedusha. Now, not everyone is capable of having elevated thoughts of Kedusha, of my Samarkava, whatever it is that they think about, but I want you to also know that thinking about the love that you have towards your husband is Kedusha. So during that moment, if you're unable to think of higher elevation thoughts, that doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means that you are a human being, and therefore try to focus only on the love that you have for one another. And because it is a holy and special mitzvah, at this point, he is wearing a yarmulke and you are, your hair is covered in a techel. Now, if at any point it does fall off, that doesn't mean you have to stop, drop and roll and start over. Um, just be conscious and try to keep it on as much as possible. Now, if, any, if there are any variations from this, I want you to be aware that you can try to recreate this space as much as possible. So if you fall on the spectrum, not 100% here, you can recreate it as much as possible. So if you feel like you can't be quiet during that time, then be conscious of the words that you're saying, right? So fall as close as possible, recognize the kedusha in the moment. If you cannot, if you are for whatever reason together during the day, then try to recreate that darkness. Try to recreate that space that is dark, quiet, free of distractions, where you can focus on the, the holiness and the connection between the two of you. Now, obviously, like we said before, you're going to fall on the spectrum somewhere here, but always go back to the values that we started this class off with. Consent, love, dignity, respect, passion, all these things have to be present. So always go back to making sure those building blocks are there and then aim as close as possible to the ideal list. Now, some of the questions um, that come up fairly often um, is how many times is normal? How many times during the week is normal, especially a Hassan and Kala who maybe were together much more frequently and now it's different. And I will say that um, throughout the life cycle, these things can change and that's okay. Um, someone once asked the Rebbe if uh, he actually wrote to the Rebbe that he was going to be a more elevated individual. And because there's a, a Kabbalistic Indian to be together on Friday night, he was going to stick to that ideal and only be with his wife on Friday night. And the Rebbe wrote very clearly back to him that once a week is not enough. And when the Friedrich Rebbe was asked about it, the Friedrich Rebbe spoke about two to three times a week being um, an appropriate amount of time. Now, if if time passes and you're not together, at what point should you seek help? And this is this is very um, common as people's lives get busier, or they decide not to deal with um, issues that come up because their life is so crazy and 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 busy. Um, so, at what point do we are we able to fix the situation on our own? And at what point do we need to go get external help? So, if a week goes by and there's nothing, obviously it's a week that you're not Nida then that's enough for you to pause and say, hey, what's happening? Maybe my kids are sick with a virus. I was sick. I, I need more help in the house. I need to take a nap during the day. I need to prioritize, right? So maybe that's, it's as simple as that. Maybe we haven't connected in a while and we need to go out and like, do something together um, or not go out, sit, sit with a cup of coffee at the dining room table. Maybe I just have to find points of connection. Maybe I need to schedule being together. Maybe I need to say to my husband and say, you know, Wednesday night, let's prioritize going to bed early at the same time. And then get a babysitter that day. Make sure you're well rested. 
sometimes people like kind of take a step back when you say schedule this and they're like, wait, but what about the passion and the love and the spontaneity? Scheduling it does not take away from any of that. Scheduling it is just saying, hey, I prioritize you. I prioritize our relationship. I prioritize our connection. And therefore it is so important that I'm going to schedule it on the calendar to make sure that we have that time together. And that is sending a very strong message towards our, our relationship with our spouse. Um, if a month passes and nothing happens at that point, you know, there's a pink flag waving gently, um, really take the time to like, take a step back, have a discussion. Now, if at any point you go three months and there's nothing, that is a bright red flag waving in the wind as fast and as hard as it can. And you need to go get professional help ASAP because that means that there's something fundamentally not in balance with your relationship. Um, For the sake of privacy, the questions and answers in this session were not included in the podcast. For more information on this topic, please visit mikvah.org forward slash mall forward slash rentals for additional reviews on the alakais of intimacy. (laughs) 